Välkomna till Rockbarn då. Igen, ännu en podd och den här gången från en exklusiv hotellkedja i Stockholm. Eller det är inte ja. en kedja, det är bara ett hotell. Ja, vi sitter i guldbaren. Ja, på... We're in the gold bar. Yes. yes. And we're here uh, with a German guy, but we're not going to do this in German. Uh, we're going to do this in Swedish because my German sucks. Varum? Varum? Varum nicht? I can only say bad words in German. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's more bad words than good words. And I learned them all from movies. <laughs> from movies? Yes, yes. Not from the score. Yes. Ficknisch, ficknisch, you know. <laughs> Jag kommer, jag kommer. Ja, oh, you go! You see some strange ones too. <laughs> well, you know, I've been on tour here. All right, I mean, uh, talking, talking about uh, movies on television. In hotel rooms, and we were a young band. <laughs> the guy with the vocabulary in Swedish to be very proud of is Tobias Summit from yes. Aventasia. And, and also hello. A guy. And do you know that your name in Swedish is Velvet? Summit. Yeah, it's the same in German. Oh, it's, it's okay. It's an old German term for samt velvet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Tobias velvet yeah. refers to my voice. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you have that, that bedroom voice. That velvet, <laughs> that velvet voice. <laughs> so, just to, to, to backtrack a little bit, mm-hmm. give us the, the, the brief background history of Amtasia. Wow. You started out in 99? 99 with Amtasia, yeah. yeah. It was meant to be a one-off project. It was meant to be a, well, a little all, not an all-star project. You don't perceive it as an all-star project. I wanted to record music, um, not with a band, but just with myself and with people that inspired me when I was a kid. And write, pretty much right heavy metal songs for Michael Kiske, who was not singing heavy metal songs back then. I wanted to create my own little rendition of Halloween, so yeah. to speak. And um, with other singers um, as well that inspired me. And I had to find um, the right frame to give it a validity to work uh, with different singers. And so I thought, okay, that sounds like a musical or like an opera. Let's do something like that. A one-off project, no live shows, just a record, a little castle in the sky of a little German boy who wants to work with his heroes. Yeah, and I did it, and it was great. Then I went back to work with my other band, with my band, yeah, Ed Guy. Ed Guy, yeah. Uh, and that, that was still, uh, it was, this was like a simultaneous thing. It was a you simultaneous were, you thing, were doing yeah. doing Ed Guy one day and Amentation the yeah, other day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we were on tour with Ed Guy in 99, and I was on the tour bus. And of course, as a singer on the tour bus, you're not, you're, you shouldn't party. Sometimes you do because human beings are stupid, but you shouldn't. <laughs> you should rest your voice and you should. It's much better to be a drummer. Uh, well, tour. yeah, it is. It is better to be on tour, but in general, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> in general, I would say no. Um, it, it. I wanted to be. Um, I wanted to be busy on tour, so I wrote. I wrote a little story, and I came. I wrote some songs, and um, yeah, I was. I was working on that album while we were on tour with that guy, and when we, when the tour was over, I kept working on it, and it became what was supposed to be a one-off or two-off, uh, two albums, The Metal Opera Part 1, Part 2. Um, I put it to rest again after it was done, never played live, and we did a couple of uh, Ed Guy albums in between then. 
And then I went back to Avantasia because I missed it. I missed not working in a band. Uh, working in a band is great, don't get me wrong, but working on your own is at least as great because there's no alcohol of democracy. <laughs> you know, you know uh, it's, and you can make decisions on your, by yourself. I mean, democracy is great, theoretically, but in a band. Look at the Beatles. What happened to them? Of course, they had a certain amount Yoko of success. Happened. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They got so, a dictator. <laughs> oh, you think so? I think... No, I think Yoko was pretty much in charge. Was she? Yeah, I think so. Uh, okay. In charge of what John wanted. <laughs> she okay, decided well, for then, then, then it's... That was maybe a bad example, but I think you know. It, I think it was it was great to do things outside of band and just jump in at the deep end and do my own stuff. And also, it helped Edguy because all the songs I wrote for Edguy after the first Avantasia album, mm-hmm. they were in, influenced by the experience of doing something of my own. I mean, they were. I I really matured. I really grew when I did that stuff by myself. I have mm-hmm. to say, and working with all these. But to, 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 to throw yourself at something as big as opera must mean that you had a rudimentary love for opera before? Mm, I liked I liked the the way I liked musical, but but I was not a freak or not a not a not a not a nerd. I, it wasn't like I was going to the musical show every week or something like that. I had you that been to existed. a real opera performance? No. Actually not. I've been, I've, I've, I've seen, no, I had seen. I, I still haven't. I had seen musicals in London, but uh, Starlight Express and I don't know what else. Uh, at a very very young age, at school, I think uh, mm-hmm. when we had a school excursion to London, um, I don't know if I've seen anything uh, alike. But it, I just it just it seemed like an interesting field. Of course, I had CDs of Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, Phantom of the Opera. I was reading the booklets. I was into Wagner operas. I never endured listening to it back to back, all the 10 discs of the the Ring of the Nibelungs. Right. I never did that. But I knew it existed. And to me, I, I like the the approach, the theatrical approach of not just being a musical thing, but also telling a story and being a, a, a complete entity of its own, a world of its own. Was so, it hard to convince the record label to get songs out that are like 40, min- 40 minutes long uh, with seven vocalists and I convinced them that it has a high commercial appeal <laughs> um, there was one label that believed in it um, and the rest I mean I, I tried to ship the record to, to other labels back then mm-hmm. and they all said like yeah well we give you a deal if you give us your main band Oh, they were not interested in it. It was just like they were just interested in that thing, in 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 my main band, an Ed guy, not in in Avantasia. And there was only one label that said, "Oh, I think that could be pretty big." That was um, that was my my back then record label AFM Records. Right, because on, on the on on the paper, this is very uncommercial. Uh, it it's is. Not, it's not meant for radio con- consumption. When 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 you did this, did you envision? people listening to it from start to finish, like in one setting, like you, you see a movie or you go to an opera I, show? I thought so. I was naive enough to believe it. And I, I think I was rightfully, there was a good reason to think so because that was different age. That was 99 when I started working on it. That's 20 years ago. People still listen to albums. Then. People listen <laughs> to albums. People were not spoiled by 
crap behavior. <laughs> it's no, but it's really it's what nowadays everything has to be bulky and impressive at a first glimpse. Yeah. And everything has to be really black or white. It has to be there. It has to impress me within 20 seconds. Otherwise, it's crap. Mm -hmm. You know, don't bore us, bring us to the cars, three minute songs. And it has to be uh, in a certain uh, fashion. It has to fit. It has to be presented in a bite sized manner. It's disgusting. It's <laughs> this is I don't understand it. And fast food music. Yeah, absolutely. And that was back then. I think it was a little better than today yeah. but still today there are fans who appreciate fuller albums who get a vinyl who smell the vinyl i think I'm, it, it's almost like i feel like a like an outcast like a pervert because i i smell vinyls when i buy them i smell them i just, I just oh great that that's a great smelling record it's an amazing scent the scent of fresh vinyl it's of course. like you should bottle it <laughs> and not only the scent of fresh vinyl also to be honest uh when you buy at a, at a second-hand store, when you buy old vinyl records, and you realize, I mean, usually they put, whenever you buy something on eBay, they, they write, uh, it's a non-smoking household, you know? Mm -hmm. But when vinyls, usually rock and roll musicians or rock and roll lovers, they were smoking at home. Yeah. And you can say, oh, there was a smoker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't smoke, no, but, but, it's, no, but, but it's... The album was yeah, smoking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and to me, that's... That whole experience, you know, is is even even the little the little the little noises before the music sets in. But you, you remember the anticipation when when you were a kid, starting to listening to music, and and your favorite album was coming out, and you had to wait for it, and yeah, you had course. to go to the record store, yeah. you had to sit in the bus looking at the cover, and that was great. <laughs> sitting in the bus looking, I remember sitting in the bus looking at Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, and of course you had this blue vinyl, and you had Nico McBrain with a with a it was a a woolen pullover uh, that he had like a like a. The dress that yeah. Nico yeah. McBrain yeah. was yeah. wearing, it was very un-rock and roll, but it was so typical Iron Maiden because it was, the, the way they dressed was so un-rock and roll. <laughs> it was weird. And then you had the, uh, well, the lyrics printed in there and... Yeah, and you pretty much read them before you came home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you could yeah. sing along to the song. You didn't know what the song was, but... No, <laughs> but no you read everything, including... Printed in German. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. of course. You work with quite an impressive number of, of guest vocalists and musicians. Uh, how how did you pick them? And let's name drop a few. <laughs> yeah, Eric Singer, uh, Eric, Bruce uh, Kulick, Bob Catley, John Lande, Michael Kiske, Kai Hansen, Jeff, Jeff Tate, Tate, Candice Knight, Eric Martin. This is like a who's who yeah. in, in, in yeah, rock. Reading the Wikipedia page was like every band in every metal. Well, almost. that reminds me of yeah. me getting older. You know? <laughs> how, how do you get this collection of singers and musicians together? Um, well, it, one by one, it's 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 there's an individual story between every uh, working relation. It was, for example, um, the the. Rudolf and Klaus I met when we toured with the Scorpions, we played with that guy with the Scorpions. We had known each other. And I just simply asked, and they said, yeah, that's cool, great, let's do it. So that was pretty easy. Eric Singer I met when he was not in KISS. He was the drummer of Alice Cooper back then. I know, that's but, where, uh, no, I met him before that, but we became friends when he was the drummer of Alice. I know Eric really well. He's a real great <laughs> oh, guy. Oh, great guy. And he's a funny guy. <laughs> yes, funny like hell. Talkative. <laughs> Quite so. Shut boy. <laughs> he never shuts up. <laughs> he, is, he is amazing. He's got a great sense of humor. And uh, um, I, I met him at a festival in, in 
Switzerland, no, Austria. In 99 or 2000, I think, 99 probably, he played with Gilby Clark's band. Mm -hmm. Right. And he was introduced, we were introduced to each other, and, um, and we had a brief chat, and I said, Eric, um, I'm, I'm doing a, a rock opera. Um, most of it is recorded, but there's one more track for drums. Would you mind playing? So, oh, send it to me. It's no problem. Oh, I can do it. No, no problem. Send it over. I'm going to do it at uh, Gilby's studio. And so, and that was that was it. And then when I did the Scarecrow record, I said, Eric, this sounds not just one track. I want to do 20 tracks. Can you come over and spend four weeks in Germany? We're going to go to the studio. We're going to shoot shoot a video. And he said, Oh well, yeah, December. Yeah, that that pretty much. If I'm going to be home by Christmas, that's good. No problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. End of November, he came. We spent so much time together. He's a great guy, a great drummer. And so that became friendship. And we did that that album, The Scarecrow. And I said, this song would be perfect for Alice. Well, I'm going to ask Alice. No no worries. I'm going to do it. He asked Alice Cooper. Two weeks later, I got the confirmation. Yes, Alice is going to do the track. <laughs> so I have a fun, funny Eric Singer story. I was at his house in uh, LA uh, in the uh, mid-90s. Uh, and we were sitting there and he showed me his uh, grandfather's gun. Uh, he had a Luger, uh, the, the, the German uh, officer's gun from the Second World War. Okay. And I loved guns and we went out shooting a lot of times. And I was playing around with this like a, a real Luger and I did this mantelpiece thing and I quit blowing and a spring went off and the whole thing just fell into pieces. <laughs> <laughs> And I spent two hours looking for that spring in his house. <laughs> I ruined his grandfather's gun. <laughs> don't let him into your house. Just don't. <laughs> Tell us about Moonglow. That's your release, next release. Yeah. 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 How, how it's been quite long in the making. Or? It's been very long in the making. Um, not because uh, we screwed up so badly <laughs> at times. But because I didn't want to do anything, I came back from the from the Ghost Lights World Tour, mm -hmm. and uh, I was a little tired. I have to admit, I was tired, um, and uh, I didn't know. All my life, I had been doing things that I really felt and that I wanted to do and that I loved. And I thought, you do something you love. You don't have the right to be tired. So, but then I was looking at what I had done, and I found out that I had written 17 albums in 20 years and done 10 world tours in 15 oh my years. God. <laughs> If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. And I realized, and plus all the organizing of two bands, I did the management for both bands. I I wrote all the songs. I 
long story short, I had all the rights in the world to be tired. So I said, okay, for the first time in my life, I don't have a record contract with that guy, not with Avantasia. I'm going to have a break. I'm out of here. Nobody going to ask me anything. I don't know when I'm going to return to working. I'm done. I got to find myself a hobby. Then I build a studio myself, which is not really... Um, that's not really a hobby in your line of work. <laughs> no. no. But that's Just what saying. I thought is a good thing. Yeah. And now you're saying it. You should have told me that before. I build a it's studio. It's like a stamp collector who starts to work at the post office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, but, but I had the studio and then I thought, no, well, now that you have a studio, you got to use it. And I had ideas. When I, when I said I'm, I'm not going to have a contract, I'm not going to do any time, any time, anything, any time soon um ideas kept flowing and i had the studio handy now that was a temptation i went in there started working on things i thought in the beginning i thought maybe it's going to be a solo project and then the songs sounded like my songs they sounded like avantasia songs and i said well avantasia in essence is a solo project so i started working on it and after a while i said okay it would be a shame if i would record all this beautiful music in this very expensive studio that i've just got <laughs> uh, well, I, I should record it and sell it and I should get a record contract for Avantasia because it is Avantasia. But I didn't want to deal it myself, so I hired an attorney. He got me a record deal. Funny enough to break out of my working routine with a label that I had worked before for 12 <laughs> or 13 years. So nothing really new. And, um, and I had the Avantasia record pretty much done in October 2018. That So... I had two and a half years pretty much from the from, from first ideas to mm -hmm. finishing the record, which was a very long time. I must admit there is more songs that are, have been put on the back burner. So there are 15 more songs or something like that, or ideas floating around. You're going to use them later for yeah. the next album? Yeah. Are you a perfectionist when you sit in the studio? Um, Do you know when it's time to abandon a song and say, it's done? Well, yeah. I'm or do you go, oh, I can fix this? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not afraid of letting loose and letting go. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a perfectionist. I want things my way. Some people would say stubborn. <laughs> but, but then if somebody makes a good suggestion, Sasha always laughs about it because I co consider myself to be stubborn. Sasha, the producer. Sasha right. Payne. Mm -hmm. And I go, okay, I want it this way and that way and that way. And Sasha says, well, I have this suggestion. It's a little bit different. It does something completely different. I say, Yeah, or that way, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, yeah, but what do you prefer? Well, what do you prefer? You're, you're a producer, too. We're a production team. So you make that decision now. So I am a professionalist, but not... I'm, I'm, I would consider myself stubborn because sometimes I really want to have something my way, but I am relaxed enough to say, okay, now this is good. We could do it another way. We could do it this way. We could do it that way. So, but when this project started, you said it was meant to be just a studio project and not be performed on stage. And it took you up until 2008 before you started to, to tour. Yeah what, yeah. what made you decide to move it to the stage? And, and, and what challenges did that present? It wasn't meant to be played live on, on stage, not at all. Um, and that was a relief for me because I could create all this music that I never had to worry about how we're going to transport this to a stage. I could do everything and go crazy. Now, um, what was, uh, it was, it was a promoter of a, the biggest German festival offer, offering me uh, a, a, a good amount of money to do it, actually, and offered, offered me, it was not only about the money, it was, I was offered 
to headline Wacken Open Air. 80,000 wow. people, Saturday night, live TV broadcast, biggest stage, two hours, and a good amount of money. And he and, said, do you want to do it? I mean, perfect exposure, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> and I said, I, said I, I don't want to do it. But then I thought about it again because Sasha Pei, the producer, he said, oh, well, I can play guitar. We're going to find a band. We can do this live. Mm-hmm. We don't need to have every singer. Of course, Michael Kiske back then, he was obviously not going on stage. He for sure not at a heavy metal festival with all these uh, satanic people in front of the stage. <laughs> he didn't want to do that. So we knew we would just have a... Um, uh, a smaller lineup than on the album. But Sasha said, hey, we've got to have three or four singers with different voices that kind of transport the idea of Aventasia. And everybody can everybody can take over different sorts of songs and we can split them among three or four singers. And we can transport this to a stage. We're going to have big backing vocals and a choir, I mean choir, two backing vocalists we had then, but Oliver Hartmann, the guitar player, great backing singer. The bass player was a great backing singer. So, long story short, we knew it would be possible. And then when you get the offer of playing um, the biggest heavy metal festival in Europe or in the world. In the world, probably. As a headline act, 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock, two hours, main stage, 75,000 people officially. But uh, there was talk it was closer to 100 I said, if you turn down that offer, why did you get into the music business in the first place? <laughs> right. You get the biggest spot one can have, For except sure. from maybe Coachella, Donington, right. or Co- Coachella wasn't existing no, back then. No. But it was like, but that's was not it? only. I mean, that's, no, that's not metal. It's not metal now. No, it's, it's, it's just like a the very core big festival. audience. It was Donington or Rock and Rio was yeah. uh, Rock and Rio. That's that's a million people. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, but Monsters of Rock. That that was that dimension. Yeah. Headlining. It was like headlining Monsters of Rock. Of course. And I said, well, if I turn down that offer, if there is some something like a god, he will look down at me and will say. No, you ruined your chance. <laughs> you had your chance, boy. Yeah. I'm going to throw my chances at someone else. And was it fun once you made it? Was it was it a great experience? It was the greatest thing I've ever I've ever experienced. I went on stage the first time. I was an autopilot. I went on stage and there was this energy from eighty thousand people coming, and it was just like I remember it. We did we did. I didn't know. I was nervous and I didn't know what to expect. And I went on stage and all of a sudden you see as far as the eye can see people. And it was going in waves when they were clapping. It was going in wow. waves. And and I was there and, I th- and they were singing along to the songs. And I said, that's amazing. 80,000 people waving their hands. That's Everybody's got two of them. That's 160,000 hands being uh, waved from left to right and clapping them. And it was a, a primal energy. And, and yeah, and, and I, I for sure, I don't regret it. Right. That's great. How does Moonglow differ from the previous albums, would you say? Um, it's new song titles. <laughs> <laughs> Primarily new songs. I got to tell you, these German guys, when they change things, they really change things. <laughs> yeah. I remember criticizing Rudolf because with the Scorpions, they, 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 they toured for three or four years with the same show. Everything was the same. They came with a new album. The stage looked the same. And I said, Rudolf, can't you change the, the stage? Well, for this tour, we have two mic stands. 
<laughs> yeah, but you see, it's a very subtle change, but it makes the whole world a huge difference. You know? It's um, no, it, I, I think it's the most embellished. We've always had embellished works, but or embellished work, um, but we have with this record. I think it's it's even more embellished mm-hmm. than than the previous ones because um, there was so much time to put things aside go back at them, not because I thought, oh, what can we change about? No, just because it was there. And you think, this is not this is not really perfect yet. We could change something. There was no deadline. There was and then no... you bounce things off each other, you and your producer? Yeah, yeah. yeah sometimes I remember um, I was in a hotel during the Ed Guy tour in 2017, the anniversary tour we did. I was in the hotel and I came up, I had my keyboard, I have my recording device with me most of the time keyboard and mobile studio at the hotel and um, I was I was not happy with one book of shallows the second song with the with the intro of the um, with a with a keyboard section on the guitar riff mm-hmm. and I I played around with it and I have these new keyboard sounds and I, I played a little and I adjusted that and now it's perfect now it's good so um you, if you have that time, you will embellish things a little more and, mm-hmm. and diversify things a little more. And what I also have to say is that I think the the lyrics of the album they are probably some of my most personal lyrics I've ever written. It's a very because I came out of this situation where I was really asking myself, uh, am I part of a machinery? Am I um, just fulfilling expectations of other people because I look back on that huge uh, amount of work that I had that I had mm. done and I was tired as I said a little bit and I, I had the feeling that I, I I couldn't I had to question myself if, if everybody around had an idea of what was coming next mm-hmm. I didn't know what was coming next <laughs> but everybody else knew what I was doing next people were asking well, you're going to play Wacken next year. Is it with Edgar Avantasia? Next one. Okay, next next year. Who are you going to release an album with? Edgar Avantasia. And other people were, were coming and saying, okay, uh, live, you're, you're doing a live DVD, right? Because he recorded the last tour uh, with Avantasia. It's going to be the live. When is it come, going to come out? This year or early next year? Everybody had an idea of what I was doing and it seemed like nobody really cares about what I want. Everybody knows what I'm going to do anyway. <laughs> so I said, no, I have to make sure I've got into this business to be uh, to be creative and work at my own pace, and uh, and that took a lot of weight off my shoulders. Once I made the decision, no, now I'm going to function at my own pace. I'm not going to live up to expectations, to schedules, to a pace of someone else. Not the record industry, no bandmates, no fans, nothing. And so I um. That once that weight got lifted off my shoulders or lifted off my shoulders, um, I could write about my situation a lot. And I was writing very personal things and putting them into that lyrical concept of the album, which is which is kind of a a different sort of story. Um, It's but but I I created a character that would be my alter ego in a Victorian dark world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cool. We need to finish off, and we always finish with uh, the cringe song, which is uh, a song 
that you like, but you really don't want to admit that you like among your friends because they may start throwing eggs at you or something because it's it's it's, it's, a, not true. it's something that you may be ashamed <laughs> well, of, of, a, of digging. I'm in the I'm in the fortunate position that I don't have friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. You can listen to anything. <laughs> I can listen to whatever I want because I don't have fucking annoying friends throwing eggs at me. But if you um, a song that is really embarrassing, I like David Hasselhoff's Everybody Sunshine. Ooh. Nobody else likes that, so that's that's really no, something to be ashamed of. I'm looking for freedom is also really bad. It's also really bad, but I think uh, everybody's sunshine. <laughs> what a feeling! The, yeah. the instrumentation when the keyboard sets in that reminds me of '80s Magnum. I think you you win. Yeah, this is uh, that, this that's is really something you should really song. be standing in the corner now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good good talking to you. Good talking Thank to you. you so much. Thank you. Och vi säger förstås som vi brukar säga Up your bottom Eller hejdå